Hi guys, welcome to Youth Inc. on Youth Plus Radio. I am Zawadi, your host for today, and welcome again to this week's episode. And we are a platform that is passionate about the youth and having conversations that inspire the youth. And we want to go beyond conversations. And today, we have a hot topic, money. And we have a financial wellness coach with us who is also passionate about inspiring the youth, especially in terms of their journey to financial wellness and financial success. And she is a trusted guide in that realm. Ladies and gentlemen, Juliet Odiambo. Karibu sana. Thank you so much. Okay, so Juliet, yes. tell us a bit about yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, introduce, reintroduce yourself mm -hmm. to the world in such a way that you want people to know you. Yeah. yeah. So my name is Juliet Odiambo. I, um, I think I just love money. Wait, that's not right. I love to talk about money. <laughs> um, I, I, I want people to associate my name with money. And, and so far, I'm on a journey of ensuring that that happens. And for a long time, I really felt like big money was in my, in my future. I saw myself handling a lot of money. Uh, I just didn't know whether it was my money or other people's money. So far, it's been other people's money. <laughs> but I love, money is a conversation that I love to have. I work with people on a daily basis, just trying to figure out their finances. And I want to help them transform their relationship with money and be able to move from a place of disempowerment, complete disempowerment and total empowerment. So I do that due, through my company, which is called Pesa Savvy Limited. Mm -hmm. And um, I work and I coach people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I work with investment groups. I work with corporates. I run financial wellness programs. And generally, just anywhere where people are talking about money, I fit right in, you know, like hands in a glove. <laughs> okay, I'd want us to delve a little bit mm -hmm. in money yeah. and also about you. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit on that conversation about your introduction. Yeah. I noticed something yes. on your LinkedIn page. Oh. You did an undergrad in Become Finance. Yes. And then when you did your master's, yes. you switched to international relations yes. and affairs. Yes. What? I don't see the relation <laughs> there, so I need to understand that and what caused that. Okay. Um, I'm a big uh, advocate for people taking significant time off between their first degree and second degree so that you can figure out what, what exactly you're interested in um, to master in. So it so happened that over that period of time, actually, I was employed in, in a bank. Loved my job, but I loved that it allowed me to kind of spread out and explore things. I used to read a lot of articles. I used to do a lot of community work through our corporate social responsibility. And I started getting interested in um, the impact of our work on the communities that we served. Uh, and so through that, I found myself on the path towards development, just wanting to know what are we doing as a, as a business, as a nation, globally towards um, enhancing and bringing development to people. And so that's how I ended up wanting to do a development course, a, a, a master degree in development. Even with a finance background, I, my interest kind of expanded. So started my search 
to find a, a, a nice master's degree in development studies. My undergrad was in Kenyatta University. And um, let me just say, I was not a fan of public university. The, the, <laughs> the, the mess that went around yeah. my degree, my, you know, losing marks and I just, I just wasn't having it. I think I had trauma. So I was just like, I need a different experience. And so if I was going to do my master's degree, it, it, it could not be in a master's, in a public uni. And yet Nairobi Uni offered the best development master's degree. Yeah. Uh, but I was just not having it. <laughs> I looked everywhere, far and wide. Finally, I found USAU that had international relations, but you could spread out into development studies. So that's how I ended up going in, in there. Uh, to focus on the development aspects of international relations. So essentially international development. Yeah, and funny enough, even through all that, I was still keen on connecting my financial background to international relations. And ultimately my thesis ended up being on, um, on family charmers. So somehow I connected two worlds mm -hmm. and I was able to to get a, 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 an academic glimpse into the world of development and connect it to my professional and previous academic experience. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. I, I think that's where we're headed, where you have to do one thing yeah. and a different thing and find that, that connection between exactly. the two. And I, yeah. I think it brings out something so beautiful. Yeah. L let us talk about PESA service. Yes. First of all, yeah. the name, what yeah. inspired the name? What inspired the name? To be quite honest, <laughs> money, <laughs> right? I, I did want people to, 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 you know, to see the name and know ex immediately what, at least come close to what we are, or what the business is about. And then the savviness of it, actually, oh yeah, come to think of it, I've remembered part Thank of what you. the inspiration uh -huh. was. <laughs> uh, while I was employed, we used to do, like I said, I was keen on our impact on the community. And so we did start a program, a financial education program while I was employed that was called Making Girls Money Savvy, right? So it was a, an initiative to reach out to um, girls' schools, secondary girls' schools with financial education programs. And so when I, when I left employment, that, that savviness is what stuck with me. But then I still wanted people to, to connect it to money. And I still wanted to be, you know, to bring the Kenyan authenticity into it. And so I wanted to use a Swahili word. Yeah. Okay, so right there at Pesa Savvy, yeah. how has your entrepreneurial journey mm -hmm. in that been like? It's been a roller coaster, as, as is any entrepreneurial journey. It's been, I've had the highest highs and the lowest lows. <laughs> um, so I left employment in 2018 and the story of how I left is just a whole other um, story in and of itself, but it was, a, it was within a season where um, um, our company had retrenched a lot of people. I happened to be one of them, but I wasn't as hard hit because I could have stayed in employment if I wanted to, yeah. but I started feeling that the season in that place was coming to an end, but I wasn't quite sure what I was going to go out to do. But I've been very big on always centering myself and making sure that I'm doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing at whatever season in my life. And so I was always questioning myself and making sure, is this what I should be doing? Is this where I sh I'm supposed to be? 
and after I left out, left the bank and I was doing that, um, the thing that was not my, I was not employed to do financial education. It just happened to be one of the interests that I got. But when I left the bank, that was one interest that I wanted to continue. And so um, when, I, when I, my one month notice from employment, I also got accepted into a program that really now what is what opened up my entire journey. Um, so I was part of the Mandela Washington Fellowship in the year 2018 and I was in the business track. So I went into that program, I was with business people, me who never thought I could ever run a business to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, and just being around that environment and being in the faculty <coughs> at top business school globally was useful in sharpening my vision and just uh, talking to the right people and creating this dream of if I was to start a business, what would I do? So around starting a business around my strength and my professional uh, background is what that period um, helped me shape to the fellowship. So I came back from the fellowship and I just hit the ground running. I started doing um, what I'd focus groups. I registered my company and I just started talking about money. And over time, to be quite honest, I had no for, I didn't know what I was doing for a, a significant part of that time. You know, I think business people need to come in knowing that they are testing the market. Yeah. And they are, in, in fact, when I was starting it, I don't feel like it was very common mm -hmm. nor embraced that you could sit with someone and they guide you through your finances, yeah? yeah. Um, there was a lot of, you know, seminars, webinars, but really the coaching aspect of it had not been penetrated. And so that's what I was trying to do. Because I, I had done all this, I'd been in classes where I was teaching people about money and talking about money and all those things. But to really bring change, I felt like I needed to get into your business yeah. so that we can pull out um, the, the specific situations that are, that are causing you problems and then connect that with the information. Because people have these myriads of information out here about money, but where people fail is contextualizing it and saying, this is what this means in my life, in my circumstance. And so, yeah, so that's what I was trying to push in. So I kept telling people, um, you have a problem, you have a problem, first I have to convince people that they have a problem, and then now tell them what my solution is. It took me probably one and a half years before I got my first paying client. Yeah. Yeah, and so that period was very uh, tumultuous, yeah? So it was always questioning, am I doing the right thing, changing this, starting this, stopping, dropping, and all that, until I feel like, um, I was telling you earlier that this year is when I'm hitting five years, yeah. and now is when I finally feel like I know what the business is about, I know what I'm offering, and the value I'm offering, and how long I want to do it and how I want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, congratulations Thank on you. hitting five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that is quite a journey. Yeah. And now that we've talked about, you know, you're starting out conversations. So you see, there's you who has experience over the years. Yeah. Then there's me who'd want to know, how do I start a conversation about money? Because money, money is really a very sensitive topic. Yeah. So how do I spark up, how do I spark up that conversation? So I was asking, was, was, is it the, how to spark a conversation about money yes. with somebody who's trying to help you or with people in your life? Who are, we, um, who, who are we talking about in terms of having a conversation with somebody? 
Okay, let's 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 paint a picture. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I I you can correct me. You can yeah. tell us. Yeah. Once you are able, is it easier to spark a conversation about money with people you relate with mm. or a stranger? Mm. And That's a good question. Where do we start from here? Okay. If you're looking for help, let, let me say. First of all, I just think everyone people should just generally talk about money. Uh, how you're making money, how you're using money, um, where you're getting money. I think generally we should normalize the money conversation. But if you're in a place where, you're, where you are genuinely thinking that I have a problem, right, that I need help with, I feel like um, it's usually easier to talk to somebody who maybe doesn't know you, right? If you're looking for help, like mm -hmm. a track record of help. Um, and I found, I usually tell the clients that I work with, uh, your success number one is that you DM'd me and you said, I think I need help. Then success number two, because I usually have a discovery call first, is that you booked a discovery call and we had that call. Because some people book and then they don't show up, yeah. <laughs> right? So that's success number three. And then you pay for their service and you go through the program successfully. That's success number three. Um, so I, the, the progression, the, it's that first admitting that, by the way, I have a problem and I need help, right? Admitting that with people who are close to you sometimes is difficult. Um, and so if you can get somebody who has an outside perspective into your finances, it might make the conversation a whole lot easier. Although it doesn't completely take away the nervousness and anxiety of it. So it's, it's, it just, you still have to power through it, yeah? Some people it's easier than others, but I do feel people coming and they're just like, they don't know what, what, what to expect with the conversation. Yeah. But I do feel like if you really want help, look for somebody who can give you an objective outlook into your, into your finances and give you, speak to you from a professional point of view. Yeah. Still on that needing help, yeah. how does a toxic relationship with money look mm. like? As for an in, as as a individual, right? Yes. Um, there, I feel the the toxicity changes uh, between different people, and it's caused by different things. So, if you, for example, let me just give instances where I would see this. This is a money problem, right? Uh, where um, you are very, you spend money very easily, and you spend money that you don't have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and you find yourself in a pattern where you can't, you can't, you, you consciously know there's a problem, but you can't stop it. You yeah. don't know how to stop yourself. That's, that's problematic. Or you have a problem spending money that you have. So you have money, but getting yourself to spend on yourself or on other people, that's still problematic. Uh -huh. Sometimes I feel like in money conversations, the person who doesn't spend so much or is always looked at as they are the ones who are good with money, <laughs> but it could be that they are afraid to spend or they have a scarcity mindset. So that's, that's still problematic as well. Um, if, you are, if you don't want to talk about money as well, that's a problem. You don't want to look at your M-Pesa statement. I was uh, watching a reel the other day and somebody, the person was saying how every time they spend, they close their eyes so that they don't look at the M-Pesa <laughs> yeah. balance. You don't want to look at your M-Pesa balance, your M-Pesa statements, your bank statements. Um, you don't want to budget. You don't want to acknowledge where your money is going. That's an avoidance tendency mm -hmm. and that's problematic. Yeah, they, they, It must be coming from somewhere. And then if you just also don't have you're unable to create boundaries ar around your own money in terms of how it comes in and mm -hmm. also how it leaves you, mm -hmm. 
that's also um, problematic. Yeah. So those are the most common ones that I've I've walked people through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Yeah. And just from that, there yeah. are a few areas that I'd want us to explore. Okay. Uh, the first one being, is there such a thing as having a lot of money and having too little money? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. Mm -hmm. uh, let, me, let me answer from the too little money, because if you're unable to take care of your basic needs, then you don't have enough money. Mm -hmm. There are instances where people come to me and they're like, you know, I, I need help, I can't pay this, I can't pay this, I can't afford this, and then I ask, how much do you earn? And then I look, yeah, that's the problem, you're just not earning enough, yeah? So earning enough is, 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 um, is, is common, especially if it, we are just talking about basic needs, having a roof over your head, eating, and uh, being, being able to move around and you can't access that, that's problematic. Now, is it possible for you to have too much money? That depends on what you want money to do for you, mm -hmm. right? I, I start the journey of working with my clients by defining how do you want money to serve you? What do you want money to do for you? Once we can put a clear plan in place, then we can say, okay, these are all the things you want to do. This is what it's gonna cost you to do it. Do you have enough to cover this? 90% of the time, people realize they don't have enough money <laughs> to cover their lifestyle or to cover the lifestyle that they want to, to have. And then so the, the, the solutions become, number one, I need to make more money, or number two, I need to prioritize what I'm going to go for first or which thing, if I do, will have a ripple effect in terms of increasing my capacity. Mm -hmm. So having too much money uh, can be looked at from that point of view. Ability to cover your needs and then have excess. And then there's too much money. There's something in finance we call liquidity. When you have, have you ever been asked, kama uko liquid? Yes, yes. I have been asked. <laughs> so it's just, we are just talking about how much cash yeah, do you yeah. have, yeah? And if you, you can have too much cash. When you have too much money sitting in your bank account, in your current account, in a money market fund, for example, or that's arguable, um, and it's not doing what it can do, right? Then that's too much money sitting idly. Yeah, so there's a ratio that we can calculate to see how much money, you need some cash, but you don't need a lot of it. Mm -hmm. when, there's a point at which when, it's, when, it is, when it reaches, it becomes excessive cash that you need to turn into an investment. Mm -hmm. And so there are people who, because of their relationship with money, they want to hoard money. Yeah. And so they just keep it. They just want to keep it in the bank. They want to see the zeros in your bank account. That can only work for you up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a fear of, of, of releasing money, then you'll have problem investing. And that's really where the next level. When you have too much, you have enough emergency fund, you have, you, you have savings for one or two, three things, and you still have excess, that excess needs to become an investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, now that we are, we are there, yeah. at the investment bit, yes. um, advisors, mm -hmm. for the person who has the too much and yeah. would want to invest, yeah. and also for the person who has little and would still want to invest, mm. what options do they have? Yeah. It's important to, to know what season of money you're in, right? Yeah. If, you, if somebody comes to me and they say that they have too little money, we will see what the definition of little is because you, you, if you, you can't invest when you can't cover your basics. Yeah. yeah. So first work on making sure that you can cover your basis 
and, and then have a, a, some little leftover that you can then start investing. So it just, just know it, understand it as you're not stuck there. Because you have little now doesn't mean you'll never start investing. Mm -hmm. Just work on increasing your capacity and then have, even if you can leave 5K out or above your living expenses, mm -hmm. that one we can start investing with it. Even 1K, but 5K is a good amount to start with. Yeah, so now let's say you have 5K and above. There are different, as, there are different things that you would uh, invest in, but it needs to start from the vision that you have for your life. That's, I'm, I'm always preaching this, like if you don't know where you're going, you wouldn't know what to invest in. Yes. Because we have a lot of FOMO investing, that's, uh, so I had so-and-so doing this, so-and-so was talking about land, then there was so-and-so talking about money market. So you start doing it because somebody somewhere said it or somebody somewhere did it, but it's, you have no idea how it connects to you and your life. And so a lot of people have gotten themselves into investments, really they didn't have any business uh, getting themselves into. And so because of that, um, I am big on, let's start by creating this vision. Let's write your financial goals and your vision for your life. And then now the options of investing are really a lot. In our parents' time, they really had only two options. Either you buy land or you start a business. Those were the only investment options. But now the market is growing, it's diversifying. We have a lot more products that people can engage in that really don't require a lot of money. If you can start with the basics of money market funds or any other uh, funds that are, you know, I, I like saying that money market has really good PR because everyone talks about money market, yeah. but money market has brothers and sisters. There are different kinds of funds yeah. that you can get yourself in, started with and just educating yourself about what they are and how to use them should be a good place to start. But they, really, they, are low, they require very little money to get started. 5K, 1K, you can start with the funds or unit trust. Let me just call them unit trust as a whole. Um, and then we have... Um, the bonds. Um, bonds are also very popular these days. Yeah. Understanding who, how they work, lending to the government versus lending to a corporate and which one would you choose, although the corporate bonds are not as popular as the government ones. So those are lending kind of in investments where you're giving somebody money and you expect to get something back in return, right? And then the stock market is another easy start with very little capital required. The stock market is, it's kind of like a business, but you're, you're, you're investing in somebody else's business, but it's a big business. So you're yeah. buying into that business. And when they make the profit, they share with you. And when the value of that company goes up, you also benefit from that. We, the, the most expensive share we have in the market is 450 shillings. Right, that's the most expensive. So with, with 5K, you can buy some of that and then some and leave some, right? So that's, that, um, that's another easy one to, to get started into. If we go into business, now business is also an investment, yeah. but we have to look at it as an investment because the question about what, what's the purpose of investing, uh, why do we put money into investments? We want to get some money back and if it is regular, and uh, consistent and can cover living expenses, then you achieve financial independence. That's really the goal of investing, to get yourself to a place of, of financial independence, mm -hmm. being independent of somebody and also being independent of a job. 
that's that's where you really what we say money is working for me that's the level and that's the purpose of investing but business people funny enough they never go into business with that mindset mm -hmm. because they never imagine somebody will kick you out of your business but i i, I have a caution for business um, people make sure that the profits that you're making part of it is removed and put somewhere else that is it is making money passively quietly so that in the event that the business is do not doing well, then the profits that you have made from the business is also working for you somewhere behind the scenes, yeah. right? Business people are really bad with that. <laughs> we make money, we throw it back into the business. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, there's real estate. So you could also get into real estate. Um, and this used to be a very, like, capital, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. But I feel like we have a lot more options available these days. Um, when you look at uh, options like the real estate investment trusts, that's still investing in real estate and it requires a minimum of 1,000 shillings to get started. And of course you can increase that as you go along. But even just owning like our bedroom, we have a lot, main, uh, we have many developers now who are focusing on very small units. Small units are easy to buy because they are more affordable yeah. with very friendly payment terms. You can own a home, uh, an, an investment not really a home, an investment mm -hmm. into, in about three years you can own if you, are, you have a good and friendly investment payment plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, now that we're in investments, yeah. let's talk about credit yeah. and credit management. Yeah. Let's talk about credit cards yeah. and how, how does that work how do for the advantage of someone? How can it give you... Can it give you a cutting edge, by the way? Having a credit card? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think when it comes to credit, where, you, where people fail or get into problems is when they don't understand the product. So mortgages and credit cards have gotten people into a lot of problems because they don't understand the terms and conditions yeah. of it. Now, credit cards can be the cheapest form of borrowing right if yes. you use it well mm -hmm. because you have a if you use a credit card today you have about 40 50 days to pay it off zero percent yes if you pay it off within that period of time now the problem is that uh, when you start thinking of the credit card as an additional income which some people feel <laughs> you use, feel like that like it's just extra money that you have somehow <laughs> yeah. i don't know where that 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 logic came from then if you think about it like that then it starts becoming problematic right because you you heap up a lot of money and you now you you spend beyond your means right that's what it can do so we have to think of credit as an opportunity to access extra money and this extra money i must leverage it right kenyans borrow but they don't leverage leveraging makes is is making sure that if i borrow and i have to pay for borrowing whatever i use it for I must bring it must bring me some money yes. if you think about it like that then you can use credit cards really well so I know somebody who's run a business purely from money from credit cards because he learned how to how to use it how to pay it off on time at zero interest right you just need to understand the payment terms so that's how you can take advantage of it but because of the lack of discipline in paying off the the what you have borrowed then you find people getting into problems and that's where now uh, you can rack up a lot of debt with the credit cards. I think in Kenya, our credit card culture hasn't gotten to the levels where it can get to like it has in the US, for example. But 
uh, an alternative where we are we are really cornered is the, now the, the the mobile lending apps. That's the biggest uh, uh, comparison I can make, right? Because the you have easy access to money, so you might not even think about what do, what do I need this money for? I just need it. It's an emergency. Okay, fine. Or there's something happening I can't afford to buy. Let me borrow to. To, to, do, to make that happen, that's problematic. If you're borrowing for lifestyle expenses, that's problematic. Always borrow to, make, to, to in, increase your financial capacity. If you're gonna borrow, try and ask yourself, how is this money going to make me more money? Yeah. Uh, yes, let us, let us continue. Yeah. Um, so now that we've talked about investment, we've, talk, we've talked about credit. Yeah. So now, to the young people, yes. this is where we are caught. Where do we draw the line between, yeah. okay, I, I make good money, yeah. I make money, so where do I draw the line mm -hmm. between enjoyment, mm -hmm. definitely I want to enjoy life, Absolutely. and building a financial future yeah. that is stable? Yeah. I think first you need to understand what it takes to build the future that you imagine you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, first, have clarity, because that's what people don't have. You, we tell them, save for retirement, but so how much is enough? I'm not sure if I'm doing enough. So talk to somebody who is um, an expert in finance to help you do the math and tell you, if you want to live, and if you live until 60, and at 60 you won't be working, you need some sort of income to come through then how much can you start putting away to prepare for 60, right? And then now start working backward. Um, if you understand, you know, compound interest and investment and all those things, you will see the math working such that if I need to put away 10K, do I need to put away 15K? Do I need to put away 5K to start preparing for 60? Once you are doing enough for tomorrow, then the, one, the, the remaining, you can figure out how to use it for today. Mm -hmm. That's how to create the balance so that you don't live uh, with all your money, you know, living your best life today, and then you live to 100, and then at 100 you don't, you, you can't take care of yourself. Yeah. That's the biggest regret, because money should serve you today, but it should also serve you tomorrow. And that's really a challenge that uh, young people are going through to create that balance. What's the, what's the, what's the balance between living my best life right now and living my best life tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's why I usually start with that, creating that vision for your life. Mm -hmm. And I really force my clients to think 20 years, think, think 25 years, think when you're 60, what does your life look like, right? If you can't imagine it, uh, talk to people that age, watch podcasts for people who are that age, imagine, see what, what their life looks like and, 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 and put yourself there so that you can envision your life. Or imagine that now you're living your same, the same kind of life you're living right now, what will it cost you to live it 40 years from now? Yeah. Only because of inflation. If you just, you have your, you're in your one bedroom, you can, you, you're taking care of all your, all your bills, now to live, to afford just the same lifestyle 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 40 years from now, it's just a function of inflation. Because every year the cost of living goes up. Yeah. So by the time you're 60, the, to, to afford that life will need a certain amount of money. So if you use that as your baseline, you will know how much you need to, to put aside for that. But of course you grow and you want more, so that means you need to put away more, right? And so you start by, um, uh, you, having that vision helps you to, to put the numbers in order. And then you can say, okay, I want to do this, but I also go, want to go take this trip. I also want to buy this phone. And then I also want to do this. I always say, if all you can do is to 
prepare for retirement, then do that. So, I've not, um, as far as credit is concerned on my side, um, I didn't have, for, for the longest time I didn't have a credit card, but I traveled abroad once, right? Um, and it was still uh, a, a trip sponsored by my employer, but on, when I go to the hotel, they asked me for my credit card. <laughs> and I was, I was like, I don't have a credit card. I mean, like, it's like, and then when I said, because they wanted to, to put it on my uh, room, in the event that I use anything that hasn't been paid for, they they bill it on my card. But I didn't have I didn't have a credit card. He looked at me like I was not normal, right? Um, because it was in the UK. In the UK, you know, it's commonplace. You have a credit card, um, you use it. Um, whichever the culture there is very different as it is in the in the US. So when I came back, <laughs> it was one of the things I wanted to get yeah. because like what is. What is this thing that makes, makes people feel like I am not normal by not having it? And so I, I, was, I applied for the card and I got it. I had a maxim, um, a max um, borrow limit of, of 50,000 shillings. And to be quite honest, I can't remember what I used to use it for. Actually, I feel like maybe I used it more for, for paying for online things um, a lot, like, you know, a subscription here and up here, like such kind of things. That's what I used it for. But that's where I really learned how to use credit. Um, and it's really important for you to understand those terms and conditions about credit cards. I had a client who is a student in the US, a Kenyan student in the US, and she, as I was helping her with her money, she mentioned something she's doing with her credit card that according to her, she's feeling like she's really beating the system, right? She said yeah. like every time like she gets her stipend, she pays her credit card and then she, once it's at zero and she's paid everything, she transfers money back to her current account uh, from her credit card. And she was felt like, like really, this, is, this thing is working, you know? But out of what I know about credit cards, I told her, I feel like you're doing something here wrong that you don't realize what you're doing. Because credit cards are the worst if you start withdrawing cash from it, you're charged for that. That's not what they were they were created for. So when you start either withdrawing from an ATM or transferring to a current account, then you're attracting more charges. So she, was, she didn't believe me. She went to her bank, she told them what she's doing and they, told, they, they showed her. Because uh, this is something she'd been doing for maybe 24 months or thereabout. And so they showed her how much um, fees she had attracted for doing that and that's when she stopped doing it. So by not understanding those terms and conditions, you can actually get yourself into more debt, more problems, just because you, don't, you didn't know what you were doing. So I've seen that a lot with credit cards and I've seen that a lot with mortgages. And I also feel like the, the lack of knowledge on mobile lending and the, the cost of mobile lending is also what is causing people to have problems in that area as well. Yeah. So we, we are attracting more charges yes. by thinking we are beating the system. Be yeah, but you are not beating the system. <laughs> the system has already beat us, I It think. has been created to beat you, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let us just get back to you mm -hmm. and Pesa Savi. Yeah. So how has building up this company, yeah. what impact has that had on you mm. and your outlook on money? Um, I've always felt like I'm not called to business. That, um, and this was me identifying what my money wounds are, uh, was the idea that I can't start a business, I can't run a business. 
for whatever reason I believed that in fact when I got my job I was I loved I loved my job great great job great salary great benefits and I was ready to retire there in fact I told myself this is the kind of place I can work until I retire so because what I had been exposed to was employment, both my parents were civil servants and all I knew is that you work hard, get a good job, it pays all your bills, wash, rinse, repeat. So my mindset was limited to that. So when, when God started pushing me towards running a business, um, I had to fight a lot of um, limiting beliefs for myself. Um, and the idea that I could not do it, I could not start a business. It was just a, it was a, it was a mindset that I constantly had to fight, especially in my first year, and a year or two of business. And um, four years later, I walked back into my employer, and I suddenly started feeling suffocated. I was, I entered a branch, and I was like, why do I feel like I can't breathe? You know, this is the same place that gave me a lot of comfort. Yeah. But the consistently fighting that belief system made me see that there's actually opportunity in business. And so as a person, it has shown me that I'm capable. I can sell. I never used to think I could sell, but I learned those are things I skilled myself in, how to sell, how to talk about what I'm selling and continue um, demonstrating value in what I'm offering. That has given me a lot of confidence in myself and in what I'm able to do, especially when I see my clients transform when I feel like, when I start uh, reading some of the messages they send me, oh, I bought this apartment, oh, I did this, oh, I changed this, I really want to see transformation in the clients that I work with. And just being able to do that has given my business a new lease of life every time I feel like I could shut this thing down. Yeah. But because of the engagement that I've gotten with the clients, the one-on-one, -on -one, that is my strength. I feel like I have mastered the the, the relationship with money, right? And, mm -hmm. and helping people master it for themselves and then move from a place of disempowerment to empowerment where you can actually make your own financial decisions because you understand money, but you also understand yourself yeah. and you understand your life and you understand what you're trying to do. Because financial wellness is, is a makeup of two things. One is literacy, yeah. just understanding how money works. That's financial literacy, the interest rates, the budgets, the, all those things. And sometimes we can focus so much there and forget this other side, which is the psychology of money, where you understand your own emotions and nuances that influence the decisions that you make, right? Understanding self and understanding how you think about money and where your behaviors come from is the psychology of money that we leave out of the conversation a lot. When you put financial literacy and financial psychology together, you get financial wellness. And sometimes people focus more on the knowledge, the information, and you get excess there, but not enough empowerment to actually make any difference. So you're yeah. never well. You have knowledge, but you cannot see it transform into anything significant. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so for someone who actually wants to get there, mm. to the financial wellness, yeah. what are the habits that they can start building yeah. right now? Yeah. yeah. First, just understand why you think the things that you think and why you do the things that you, th you, you, you do. If you have certain behaviors that you have, you internally wired, like, especially people who are spendthrifts, I feel like we have an internal alarm system. <laughs> like you, you know when you're, when you're going overboard. Yeah. And so when you have such, such instances, question, like just, just take a piece of paper and start asking yourself, why do I do this? 
Why do I think like this? Where did this come from? All of these things, it's important for you to understand yourself. And once you have that understanding, then you can start um, uh, looking and vision, create a vision of what the, the future looks like. And then now we can create a game plan of how to get yourself from here to here. The in-between is technicalities that you can always learn. Mm -hmm. But you don't have a good grasp of where you are and where you want to go. You might not really uh, have that. Once you have a clear vision of that, then we can start looking at the numbers. We start talking numbers too early. Yeah. Yeah. So start by that vision, just a clear vision of what your life should look like, where, uh, what your cause, what's your relationship with money and your behaviors, and the vision that you have for yourself and your life, and then now move into the how now do I make this happen. Then when you start creating a budget, you will understand why the budget must work. Okay. Because you are convinced about the, this, this is the place I'm going. Mm -hmm. And if I need to get here, then this budget must look like this. I must put away 10%, uh, I must, do, I must uh, save this, I must have this money for my living expenses. All of those things, will, you'll, be, you'll be convinced of the why for that. that. We start talking money and budgets before we are convinced why we have to do it. That's why they never stick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is that is quite that is quite something, yeah. and it comes from a, a personal perspective as well that mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So even for you, like as we wind up, yeah. what do we expect from you? Like, what does the future look like for you? Will you still be doing training? Will you yeah. be handing that over to somebody? Yeah. Will you be giving us more books and journals? <laughs> oh wow! The future is I want to normalize money conversations. And I want people to be able to have money conversations with their siblings, with their spouses, with their parents, um, and all those things. I, was, I recently started watching this program called Home Economics, mm -hmm. and it's about siblings and the whole, the center of their relationship is money, okay. right? And how the siblings relate with money. And then, so it kind of sparked up this, 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 the, 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 the breath that money has in relationships. And so I want to create a, a program where, where we can bring everyone into this money conversation and not just talking, talking about uh, the budgets and all those things, but really what does healthy money look like for me and you as a couple, for me and you as friends, for me and you as siblings? What does that look like and can we really walk this journey together, right? So that's a, a program that I'm still in the, in the works of putting up what the structures of what that would look like, but definitely something I'm doing come next year. I'm definitely going to still want to work with people one-on-one -on -one because that's where I see a lot of change, a lot of transformation. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of products will still come from the program that I want to launch last next year. More um, products that enable people have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. And where where can we find you? <laughs> For, for such um, advice, where can we find you? How can we reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, always, my most active social media is Instagram. So you can find me at Juliet Odhiambo. But if you're on Twitter, I'm also at Juliet Odhiambo. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Juliet Odhiambo as well. And you just leave me a message and we can schedule a call and uh, a brief intro so I can talk to you how I can help you and what that would look like. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much.
thank you so much for your time and we have learned a lot from you, thank you. and i wish we could you know continue, continue. having this money <laughs> conversation is really good yeah <laughs> so to our listeners thank you for listening and watching today's episode remember to share comment and subscribe if you have any questions feel free to type them out and you can always find us at our socials at youth plus africa it's been good chatting with you guys bye